Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Genesis GV70 special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. GV70, what's what's one of these then, Alan? We've heard of Genesis because we've had one before, but what is the GV70? You previously, previously on the Motoring Podcast, <laughs> you had a Genesis G70 shooting brake, mm-hmm. which was an estate car. This is a related model. It is the GV70, and so it is a sub. It is an SUV of sorts. So it's a jacked up, I'm not going to say off-roader, but it's a jacked up vehicle, which has all-wheel drive and many other, many other fun things. But it is very much more an, an SUV. And it's, I guess it, it's what's generally termed a mid-size SUV. Okay. It's like the size of the original BMW X5. It's that sort of competition. Okay. Um, so it's probably X3 size nowadays. Yeah. Um, and it's very much more... So halfway in the mold between, I say halfway, I don't mean halfway at all. It's very much in the mold of the Alpha Stelvio. It's the closest competition I can think of in that it is a sort of, um, it it has a certain sport feel to it, especially in sport trim that I had. Um, And it's not a full-on square-backed SUV. It's not a coupe SUV, like one of these awful German things. Mm -hmm. More fast-backy thing. Yeah, it's not fastbacky. It's styled to look a bit like that, but it's kind of halfway in between the two. Okay. As I say, a bit like the Alpha Stelvio. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If that gives you an idea of size and scale and sort of where it sits in the market, then then hopefully, hopefully that's the plan. Um, it is Genesis's Genesis's uh, most popular model in the UK. I know that that's all relative because some of you will be making that joke to yourselves right at the minute. Because it's a market where sort of this higher spec vehicle really does sell very well in, mm-hmm. in the UK. Speaking of specs, there are three trim levels. There's premium, luxury, and sport. And in the UK, there are two engines available. There is a 2.5 turbo petrol, which is the same engine as is found in the G70 Shooty Brake. And there is also a 2.2 liter turbo diesel. Okay. I notice from the one in the garage downstairs here that in the US it's available with a three and a half liter turbo petrol engine. <laughs> oh, can't think why that can't didn't come help to the but UK. Feel we're missing out a little bit on that one, to be honest. However, the diesel engine, which is actually the model that I drove, puts out uh, 210 metric horsepowers with 440 newton meters of the torque, whereas the petrol puts out 304 of the metric horsepowers with uh, 422 newton meters of the torque. I imagine, to be honest, the American spec 3.5 liter turbo won't be an awful lot more powerful than that 2.5 turbo petrol. No. Both versions are all-wheel drive, deliver power through the same eight-speed automatic transmission across both. So, um, so yes. Okay. Auto only, uh, which is no bad thing in this class of car. I do think that people who sort of demand a manual uh, in this sort of uh, part of the marketplace are possibly missing the point a little bit. I think it is generally from people who have got the car for a week and then give it yes. back again. Yes, there is. Uh, rather than want to live with it and make life as simple as possible. I tend to agree with you, yes. Yes, yes. 
Prices for diesel start at £39,450 for the premium model and rise to £42,820 for the luxury. In between the two of them, the Sport nestles neatly at £41,800. I had the Sport model on test. I say I had the Sport model, but it was also, of course, a press car. And what do press cars mean? Prizes. (laughs) Press cars mean prizes, exactly. So there were a whole bunch of options in there. This one had the innovation package, uh, which, and I'm going to quote from the press pack here, um, highlighting all new GV70s use for the most advanced technology. This pack adds features such as the Matrix LED headlamps, a head-up display, and the state-of-the-art 3D instrument cluster, plus a whole host of advanced driver safety aids. And it comes in at £4,190. Let's oh. move on. <laughs> We also had the comfort seat package, mm. further enhancing the luxury and well-being of occupants with the addition of an ergo-motion front seat for the driver, electric lumbar support for the passenger, and seat ventilation for both. £1,470. Second row comfort seat package. This comprises heated front and rear seats, retractable sunshades, and acoustic laminated side glass. That one is a mere £600, which actually feels quite reasonable. <laughs> we had the electronic limited slip diff, which I troubled not a jot uh, for £450. <laughs> and we also had the colour, which I shall come to shortly when we start talking about the outside, which was Brunswick Green. Okay. Which was dark green, uh, £750. That came in for an actually, I don't feel unreasonable given the kit level. £49,260. Actually, not that bad at all. No, it doesn't sound that bad, actually. Given what it is, what it looks like, the gear you're getting for that money, I actually think that's pretty darned reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think that seat package was the same as the one I had in the um, shooting brake as well, which, uh, if I remember correctly, is the one that gives you a little bit of a hug. At certain speeds it, it does we, we shall talk about that a little bit later it, okay. it, it does give you a hug and then it just lets go of you but but we'll see so the outside uh the outside i've already kind of given a description that it's a bit like a stelvio mm-hmm. but if you imagine a stelvio crossed with a junior bentley then you're getting pretty much there aesthetically and, okay. and that by the way is a compliment uh, so it is a little bit blingy but it's not ridiculously blingy it's i actually uh when i took this up to perth i i went to visit a couple of friends and, and actually i all credit to mike as, as i rocked up and he said well i knew it wasn't your car because it was just a little bit too showy for you <laughs> which 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 i mean you you were there you you saw it we, we met up on my way back back south again and and i think that that that's a pretty fair description i'm also, also quite flattered by that <laughs> But it is it is just a little bit showy, but it's not ridiculously showy. It, it's nice, it's different enough looking mm. that people notice that it's something a bit different, and then yeah. they're curious and they ask. And from anyone who asked, that included loads of people I didn't know, it was one of those cars where people question you about it because they're just not sure what it is. The feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Mm. Yeah. I think Genesis have captured the wider imagination because I got similar with the shooting brake. Yeah. Uh, it's it's only one that looks like that. Yeah, it's it's that bit different. It's mm. not slashy and overly gross. It's it's just quite handsome looking. Yeah. Everyone commented on the Brunswick green. I really liked it. I like a dark green car. 
Uh, and this was a very nice sort of British racing green style car. Brunswick green though is a satin finish. Now I'm not so keen on it. I don't really like the satin finish. I would rather it was normal traditional gloss finish paint. Everybody else liked it. You liked it. Yes. I like the finish. I lean towards what you're saying, though, and acknowledge it, because I think on that car, Mm. a normal finish would have been absolutely spot on, particularly in that colour. Yes. The, The satin finish, to me, feels more like a car thing than an SUV thing. It does a bit. It just, yeah. But, yeah. but well, we're getting very that, personal looks, preference, uh, I think, at this point. We are. It is. But, but I think it was nice. It was beautifully finished anyway. Yeah. There are 13 different paint finishes available. Um, <laughs> oh, they are, yeah, you can get them, you know, solid colors, metallic colors, pearlescent colors, and of course, matte finish colors. The configuration is a bit janky. It can't show all of them. So, for example, it couldn't show the, the Brunswick green. So there is actually some real re- research to be done. But the, the important thing to take away here is that the car is available in actual colors. Yee-hee. And the thing is, I've seen a few of them here because obviously they, they, they sell more of them in the US because uh, the Hyundai Genesis as a model has been around for a long time. And they all look really good. That was actually one of the things was, of course, I had no idea what it looked like when you see one of these driving along the road because you don't get them around every corner. <laughs> so it's been quite nice in the last, the last little while to, to actually be able to see them being driven and, and think they are good looking cars on the road. They mm. really do sit nicely. I can see why people uh, were quite positive. The sport trim that I had, by the way, brings a, a three-dimensional mesh design to the grill, a bit like a Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> the bright work isn't bright, bright. It's dark chrome. You get slightly different bumpers. 19-inch uh, wheels are standard, and uh, you get large, round, and very visible exhaust pipes at the back, and it looks great. The one down the garage here, by the way, is pearlescent white with uh, dark, bright work, if that makes sense. Uh, yep, it's a very black. Uh, it's a little bit more, looks a bit more like a panda. I, I don't think it's as good-looking as, as the green and the dark chrome uh, of the press car I had. Okay. Okay, so what about the uh, inside then? Uh, there won't be too many surprises, really. The comments from the outside sort of carry on to the inside. It is, it's, it's a nice place to be. But let's start, before I jump too far ahead, let's start in the motoring podcast tradition and start at the back. It, ha- <laughs> it has the most self-opening of self-opening boots. That is wide. I'm looking at the picture. And they can't get much further unless they start going up the side of the car. <laughs> it's oh yeah, great. It's, but it's, it's, it's great. The, the thing is that sometimes, sometimes if you walk past it and pause briefly at the back, it would just automatically open the boot for me. Ah, okay. So it's sentient. <laughs> I can see how that is a useful feature, but it can also be a little bit disconcerting, uh, just depending on how large your driveway is and where you have to walk past to get in and out of the house. So, yes, there's one thing to, to be aware of that is, is that it is a sort of self-revealing boot. The boot itself, though, is large. It's flat. Uh, there is a decent size of undercroft. Uh, there are storage covers to each side. It is well lit. Curry hooks aren't great, but hey, um, we can live with that occasionally. Uh, and it gets bonus points in the rear uh, for being able to take the retractable load cover and being able to store that in the undercroft and just under the back of the boot floor as well. Uh, so that if you go somewhere, then you, you have a storage space for it, a la many Toyotas do that as well. Yep. Uh, many other brands do as well. If you choose to buy, to purchase the tallest Billy bookcases available in Ikea in the UK, 
you can fit two of those in length from the back of the boot to just to the back of the front passenger seat. Okay. Allegedly, I'm told, supposedly, not that I would ever do that, uh, of course. Rear seats split 60-40, give a flat load space front to rear to enable any theoretical billy boot bookcases you might be carrying <laughs> to fit in. That rear seat comfort package, I, I didn't really test the rear seat that much other than to fold it and potentially carry Billy bookcases, but it gives you those rear climate controls, heated outer seats, window blinds, acoustic glass, all that kind of fun stuff I've already listed. Uh, Legroom is good and the headroom is plentiful. One thing to mention is that you can, if you are in the back seat, you can, uh, there is a control from sliding the front passenger seat forwards, oh, right. provided nobody's sitting on it. Uh, so you can give yourself a little bit more legroom for that full limousine experience uh, if you're seated behind the passenger. There cool. you go. Useful buttons are us. <laughs> what else? Oh, yes. The floor in the back is pretty flat. There's a small transmission hump. But more of a concern, possibly, is that the outer seats are quite sculpted. I mean, they're not deep, deep sculpted, mm. uh, but the uh, but any centre passenger does sit on a bit of a hump. Okay. USB and twelve volt charging points to the rear as well, as is pretty much standard these days. Yep. Uh, let's move to the main part. Uh, the front. It is a nice place to be. Uh, it's nicely finished. It's nicely designed. It's a little bit garish in places uh, and a little bit contrived. But, but you know, generally, it's it's a nice place to be. It's The seats are extremely comfortable. Um, the, those motion front seats uh, give you 18-way adjustments, supposedly. I didn't actually count them myself. <laughs> Everything from squab length to height of the to height of the headrest and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can adjust quite happily and, and quite comfortably. They do massage as well. Okay. There was, yeah, yeah they do massage uh, as well, which is good if you're driving, you know, up the M6 late at night and, and, and you're sort of making progress. Uh, and it is recognized by the German campaign for healthier backs. So there you go. Oh, if you okay. want a healthier back, spend a mere £48,000 uh, on a Genesis. With the with the extras fitted, with the well, that's including the extras. I'm I'm being more generous than that. One thing I did I did notice that whenever you reach uh, some motorway speeds, it does hug you a little bit tighter, and it does sort of give you a little grip, which is quite nice. Just that little snug sort of as it moves the side bolsters in yep. in a little bit. What I didn't like is that whenever you were slowing down whenever you met traffic on the road and you're slowing down, then just at the point where you really want it to, you know, you're decelerating, you want the seat to hold you a bit a bit tighter, you're sort of already moving out of the seat, then it releases you. <laughs> and it's like being dropped. <laughs> I hug you no more. So just when you wanted that little bit of a <laughs> that little bit of a sort of right, we're gonna we're gonna lock you in and make you nice and nice and cozy here as you as you slow down towards slow traffic, uh, it just goes rip <laughs> just lets you go, and it's like, oh no, I didn't I didn't like that bit. I wish it would hold me for a bit. For I wish it would hold me tight for a bit longer. <laughs> Please hug me for longer. But yeah, I think me. you were in normal mode then, weren't you? You weren't in sport when it. Would... I wasn't in. I generally wasn't in sport. I was in eco or normal. Because if you're in sport, I think it continues to hug you. Because I never got that issue where it let go. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So I think that is a setting thing. But yes, I agree with you. If it activates and you are suddenly braking because there's traffic or a corner and stuff, that's not a great time to get distracted by going, what's wrong with the seat? 
Yeah, it is. There's a little bit of that. Yes, the first few times it's like whoa. Uh, one last thing, when you're sitting in the driver's seat, sport trim, you get a three-spoke steering wheel, which is quite a handsome-looking thing. The other specs don't. They get this kind of weird two-spoke item, which looks a bit too much like a marshmallow. It's just a bit yuck. Okay. It's not to my taste. I'm sure it's a perfectly lovely steering wheel, but I just think it looks a bit rubbishy. Yeah, sport trim is the one to have because you get the three-spoke steering wheel. How's about <laughs> that? That's consumer advice for you. <laughs> Instrument binnacle on this car is uh, read through the options. This is the upgraded 12.3 inch instead of uh, digital displays, so the standard 8 inch. What the 12.3 inch one does is it uses magic <laughs> to follow your eye line and to make the what are classically styled dials look three dimensional. It works really, really well. Mm hmm. It took me a while to work out if it was a fully digital setup or if it was digital with some physical components <laughs> in there as well. Because that sometimes, you know, sometimes yeah. we, you do get dials like that where everything looks blank, but actually stuff like there is a physical needle behind a screen to make it look like a digital display. Uh, no, it is all digital and the perspective changes as you move your head around. Blooming clever. Completely unnecessary, but lovely. Just really nice okay. as well. So so that was kind of cool. Moving sort of down across full-width vents, uh, right across the middle, it's, it becomes a sort of accent line in the kind of place where you used to get a little, a little chunk of plastic wood trim or some brushed aluminium or piano black or something. Now, as part of the current trend uh, of having the sort of the, the air vents run the full-width uh, mm -hmm. They do actually do that. And there are ventilation settings, which will just give you a diffuse, fresh airness through them rather than a jet blast straight at your face, which is which is good because I much prefer that sort of diffuse, diffuse um, run of air. Above all of that and sort of poking out the top of the dashboards, 14 and a half inch screen in a sort of very, very panoramic setup. So it is it is not very tall, but it is very wide. It's like CinemaScope. <laughs> It is, yes. It's just like that little bit in the in the cinema where the, the, the curtains open a little bit wider just yes. before the main pit, the main <laughs> the, the main feature. It has CarPlay, etc. But the standard nav was was really good. The only trouble with the standard nav was it did have a bit of a you know at every junction it would tell you to stay on the road you were on, uh, which is a bit annoying. That, that's I always feel that that's a not very good piece of piece of algorithm translation from left hand drive to right hand drive. Mm. It was controlled not so much for a, not from a touchscreen, but by a, a sort of, I'm going to say an iDrive-style uh, knob, which was just a like a big block of plastic crystal. I, I, I want to make fun of it. I want to laugh at the garishness, but it was actually worked really well, and it actually looked quite nice too. So I, I can't. I did actually quite like it. <laughs> Below the vents, there's climate controls and displays. Uh, whenever I say it, some bits are a little bit contrived in the cabin, then that's one of the areas. I mean, this is this is a some hard plastics type moment. I'm so sorry. It's such a mojo thing to worry about. It supposedly, it's styled to mimic the shape of an aircraft wing. Yeah, I know. But on the other hand, it's physical buttons and controls for the air conditioning climate control system, which again, as ever, I set at 21 and a half on auto, and I never touched the darn thing, no matter how sunny it was, how wet it was, how dark it was, or how light it was. It just worked. Underneath that, shortcut buttons for the infotainment, as is the uh, Hyundai Group way. Mm -hmm. Just all did it, did it stuff. 
There's a very high console between uh, drive and passenger for that sporty feel. There's drive selection knob for, and I don't just mean me. There's for choosing whether you want Eco Comfort Sport or Sport Plus. I don't think I ever played Sport Plus, um, as well as Terrain. Uh, as well, which again, I, I didn't play with. It wasn't a vehicle I felt uh, I didn't really have time, to be honest, to take it anywhere that might have been slightly muddy. Mm. Rearwards from that, the, the crystal controller for the infotainment, there's also a covered G charger. Uh, it was wireless CarPlay, uh, by the way, and a pair of perfectly decent cup holders. Yay! Cool. I think I bored everyone socks off. No, that was vital information. Loads of space for four loads of space for four and a half people anyway uh, and plenty of luggage that's really the takeaway uh from that okay then so you've done you've done the the exterior you've told us about how nice it is to sit inside it what's it actually like to do things with then to drive i did about 800 miles in the week and i had it so i did scotland back lots of motorways at night and it just ate that up Okay. Just, just didn't didn't really notice it. Fantastic distance car, really good distance car. It was decent around town too. Although to be honest, you know, you, you'd, you'd ideally want something smaller, uh, something with a bit shorter bonnet, uh, where it's easier to spot the extremities. But you know, on the motorway, brilliant, brilliant car. Not to sixty-two in seven point nine seconds, one hundred and thirty-three miles an hour top speed. Top speeds should be plenty for anyone. Uh, seven point nine seconds is nippy enough, you know. Mm. Um, it's, it was pretty decent and, and it's delivered with a, a fair old slug of torque as well yeah. uh, and completely seamlessly through the through the auto transmission i did test out some of the modes on the twistier stuff it, it is a heavy car it is just over two tons okay and you did feel that but otherwise it was really quite good fun the all-wheel drive system is very much biased towards the, the rear. I'm going to sound a little bit tread shuffly here. I'm sorry. Um, towards the rear. So if you sort of tried to nail it mid-corner, then you could feel, obviously, it stayed online, but you could feel the rear starting to to rotate mm-hmm. away rather than rather than it going into, into understeer straight away. I feel like such a fake by, saying, by making sentences <laughs> like that. I look forward to seeing the video of you doing smoky, yeah. <laughs> coming around the corner with a little Doris doll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, yes, yes, definitely not. Uh, no tires were harmed in the making of this podcast. I don't know how much of that was the ELSD. I haven't driven uh, a, a GV70 without it. So yeah, but it, it drives well. You can make pace point to point in this, mm-hmm. and you can enjoy making pace point to point as well. Okay, cool. Obviously, the modes do what you'd expect. Uh, Eco turns everything green and dulls the throttle response. Comfort's the default setting. Sport and Sport Plus turn everything red and heavy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't try the off-road. I didn't try terrain at all. Uh, I imagine it does terrainy stuff. Uh, ride comfort was was really good. Mine came on the smaller. Um, I'll let you make, invent the air quotes, which I'm definitely not doing at this end. The smaller 19-inch wheels. It is available with optional 21-inch wheels. I do rather suspect they would be like road rollers. Perfect if you've got some spare tarmac you want to flatten. But to be honest, the 19 inches look good, and certainly the ride comfort was excellent. The, the car does not look underwheeled with 19 inches. No, it is not underwheeled. I think that on 21s, it's going to look like a bit of a donk. Mm. This spec of GV70 has road preview. 
Now, according to all the materials, Road Preview uses the front camera to read the road ahead and to prime the dampers for what's coming up. I'm not sure how much it contributed to anything, but the body stayed level, controlled. Uh, it was smooth on some pretty grim bits of road as well. And I don't just mean the M6. So, <laughs> so it did a great job there. And it was, it was just a comfortable, nice place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, economy. Well, I didn't feel it was that great. And I'm probably got a sort of skewed sense of this stuff. I got 36 and a half MPG over the time I had it. I felt that was a bit low, but I'm possibly being unfair. What was the combined um, WLTP? Oh, hang on. I shall tell you in just a moment, because actually I have that. Combined WLTPs between 40.3 and 37.99. So do you know what? I'm really not that far off what they say it's going to be. I was not driving in the way that they do WLTP tests. No. But I, I was making progress for a fair bit of that. So I'm probably being unfair there. Well, it's also the nature of the vehicle, the size of yeah. the engine, and the combination of that. You, you know, you know that for us to expect north of forty a lot is a bit. I think is a bit unfair. I don't think that's realistic. No, uh, no. I, well, I've just moment. said I was being unfair. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I was being unfair. Yes, the the engine, by the way, is the one bit that there is nothing wrong with the engine. It's just that in this day and age. It feels a little bit old school. It doesn't feel agricultural. It doesn't feel bad. It just feels a little bit diesel And possibly because it's been, oh, what, three years, two years since I had a diesel press car. I mean, the last diesel press car I had was the Alpha Stelvio. Mm. I worked this one out. It's, it's just, maybe it's just that I'm out of practice of driving diesels. I'm just not used to it. But it, it, it just, the engine, because I could sort of occasionally sort of feel and sense the engine, it just felt a little bit out of place. Again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I found it a little bit odd and unusual. Okay. I interrupted you before you could tell about the CO2s. Yes. Uh, CO2s, depending on where you look for the figures, um, it's either 175 to 186 or 185 to 195 grams per grams or per kilometer of CO2. That's not awesome. Uh, now, the one thing that is left to say, really, is that since I had this, uh, Genesis have released an electric, and it, well, they say an electrified version, but it is an electric version of this as well. So if you really want the opposite of the diesel experience, then you can actually, uh, and you're going to be using it, I don't know, I guess mostly for down use, but with occasional longer outings, uh, then that has been released. So so you may well be interested in that instead. One of the nice things about the electric one, to be honest, is that it looks just like the internal combustion engine ones. Mm. Uh, and it's definitely a way around those the, those CO2 emissions. So if you are interested in this, but think, oh, I wish it was a bit more, uh, it was a bit more future-proof, then that will, may well be your way to get into that. Okay. Okay. Uh, technology then. So what what's, what's crammed into this vehicle? I presume there is quite a bit. Most stuff, to be honest. I mean, lots of the usual stuff, uh, all the sort of usual driver assistance. So it had uh, smart cruise control, rear blind spot collision avoidance, lane keeping assist system, forward collision avoidance systems for both junction and cars, bikes, pedestrians, intelligent speed limit, manual speed limit, lane following assist, and highway driving assist. (sighs) So, just quickly, and this ties back to the last one, do you think that helped with the whole 
you made progress and felt quite relaxed while you were doing so it on did, yes, some of the more yes. major I, I, roads. I'm, I'm a big fan of smart cruise control. Mm-hmm. Was it one of these new, uh, quite seamless systems that felt quite natural yes. rather than the older, more old school, the sort of Gen 1 versions v- very of them were a bit so. off and on? <laughs> uh, very much so, yes. The sort of, oh my goodness, we're about to crash into the car in front. Oh no, it's just stopped me. And I've just, you know, headbutted the steering wheel. No, yeah. none of that. It, it was a really nice smart cruise control, worked very smoothly, uh, just as you'd expect. It, it felt like a human. It wasn't scary at all. Good. A, B, the emergency braking didn't actually activate that at all. Good. Lane keeping assist was competent. You didn't pinball from side to side within the lane. It was quite good at just keeping you keeping you centered in the lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, doing miles uh, late into the evening, that kind of stuff just re- reduces fatigue a bit. Yeah. Just really helpful. Yeah, good systems do make the, the journeys m- less stressful and that's a good thing they do absolutely do other thing that it had was the highway driving assist 2 which is geofenced to or seems to be geofenced to motorways the idea is that with the in with merely the indicator stalk you the car will do lane changes and stuff for you in those 800 miles i think i managed to make it work twice oh. almost every other time it defied it it went it decided that some parameter wasn't met, and so it didn't. It refused to do it. Now, okay. thinking back on that, it's possible that were I not making the progress I was making, perhaps it would have been happier. Okay. The, the trouble was that I you didn't because I haven't worked out what the parameter was that was wrong. I did keep trying it, mm. and the trouble was I got to the stage where I was expecting it to not work, and then it would go, "No, you're holding the steering wheel." I'm not doing it. You're holding the steering wheel. And it was like, oh, balls. It would have done it then. But when it did it, it was it was actually quite good. It was a little slow in changing lane, but it, it wasn't bad at all. It was it was quite comfortable. Uh, I, it's one of those things I would like to I would like to try more to just find out if it's a me issue or a car issue. All right. I'm not sure yeah. which it is. <laughs> um, last last uh, last uh, last notable piece of piece of tech it had uh, it had in. It had those uh, LED matrix uh, headlamps. Okay. And this took me a little while to realize, but they're the ones which which sense the vehicles coming towards you and will blank out the vehicle coming towards you and will keep moving as it goes along. So crossing the A66 in the dark, so those of you who know Scotch Corner to Penrith, mm-hmm. which is it, it is not a road troubled by street lamps, put it that way. <laughs> The you know, more snow markers than there are street lamps, and uh, but when the, I discovered that I didn't have to keep dipping my headlamps as I as I was at the start, because what the, the, the what the car would do was it would track the trucks and the cars coming the other way, and it would blank out that bit. And even if there was a car in front of me, it would leave them slightly in the dark and have my headlamps basically shining past the dark thing. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> by going round the side of it by blanking it, and it was. It was a bit mesmerizing at first. And it's like, whoa, look, it's blanking now. That's so cool. Whoops, I should really be watching the road. That, that's beautifully illuminated for me. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's doing a great job. Fantastically bright lights, but really good. And nobody sort of flashed to say, what are you doing? Mm. Uh, type, type of thing and coming the other way, or, or even if it was, they were in front of me. They worked really well. Big convert to those. I've always liked steering headlamps, but these worked really nicely. Oh, nice. Just a cool thing, yeah. Excellent. Oops, because um, I'm easily amused. Yes, I think that's 
I think that's everything. I think I've raced through most of that. Mm. Summary then, please. Verdict. Uh, remember how much I liked that green Alpha Stelvio diesel that I had mm. that we took to, to, to Anglesey and stuff? Yeah. This falls into the same category as that. Yes. It's great because it's not German brand. Yeah. And if you want something a bit different, if you're a bit, if you've kind of had enough of, of, um, you know, your, your Mercedes, your BMW, your Audis, um, if you want something which is a bit, bit different looking, but the same kind of quality levels, mm-hmm. uh, inside, in fact, possibly higher quality levels in some cases, then this is, this is worth a look. I say CO2 and fuel consumption, if those are things which are high on your radar, maybe not the choice for you. Mm. But yes, it's it's kind of cool. The other thing, the other caveat I would say is as a former Infinity owner, do have a little bit of a look into the the overall cost of ownership. Uh, I'm sure that Genesis will be doing certain things if you're going on a PCP, which would be normal for this kind of vehicle, to be honest, at this stage in its life. Mm. Then do check what the guaranteed future values are, that kind of thing. Just make sure you're not stung by cost of ownership. Make sure you're not going to get stung by st- by servicing costs as well which may be well above what you would expect. As I say, I'm, I'm merely speaking about my experience with Infinity ownership and just putting those caveats in place. I have a funny feeling that actually when you buy this car, you get the first three or four years worth of servicing included. So it's probably not going to be an issue. I, I think Genesis learned quite a lot from the Infinity experience, to be honest. Yeah, they've, they've got a whole system where sort of a concierge system where they, they come do. and take Absolutely. your car away to service it and stuff like that. So they've, they've, they're getting it around appears the they've of... ticked the box on the, well, where do I take it? Um, yes. Well, 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 that's it. And that was one of the infinity issues was that, how far do I have to go to find a garage? Because my local Nissan dealer's not going to touch it. And they didn't, mm. they, but they're notably awkward in, in catering. <laughs> but the, the $60,000 question is if it came down to the choice, would I choose this or the Stelvio? And the thing is, I'd actually rather have the Stelvio, but I'd rather have the ownership experience of the Genesis. So very okay. tough one. I just don't know. I, I, but what I do know is that I did really like the GV70. Mm, I got that impression. Certainly mm. when we met up and you were talking about it, it was very positive in what you were saying. Mm. Um, it, I think it looks good. It sounds like it's great if you are looking to sort of be, if you want to sort of high up GT, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's what it's perfect and lots for. Lots of people do. Lots of people do. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, so um, I, I really like it's hope great it's, for that I mean, sort of thing. I mean, I see them here. They, they look good on the road. They, they're a nice size. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, lots mm-hmm. to be lots to be said for it. Okay, cool. Anyhow, if you want to know more, then don't forget between now and next time, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. In the meantime, Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreens, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people feel somehow that you have maybe missed a certain bit off on your review of the Genesis GV70, what's the best way for them to ask you personally? They can personally ask me uh, via Twitter, uh, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.